You are listening to the Wealth Without Bay Street podcast, a Canadian guide to building dependable wealth. Join your hosts, Richard Canfield and Jason Lowe, as they unlock the secrets to creating financial peace of mind in an uncertain world. Discover the strategies and mindsets to a financial future that you can bank on. Why business owners and private companies should be ideally positioned to be attractive to third-party buyers. We are honored to be joined today by a very special guest, Mr. Stephen Cummings. And Stephen is the managing partner of Resolve Partners, which is a niche business advisory firm dedicated to helping business owners envision and drive growth and optimal value for their company. Now, we'll invite Stephen to share uh, some things about his background and what has, uh, you know, his path, his journey to what he's doing for business owners here currently. And we're going to have a great discussion. And so, welcome, Stephen, to Wealth Without Bay Street. It is a pleasure to have you. Thanks for being with us. Thank you very much, Jason, um, and also Richard. Uh, great to meet you both. I think a good place for us to begin would be to maybe share a little bit about your organization, and in addition to that, what are you know what are some of the common pitfalls that you see when you're dealing with business owners or private companies who are looking ahead and and thinking ahead about being attractive to a third party buyer? Well, thanks for that question, Jason. Um, so, as you say, I'm the managing partner of Resolve Partners. It's a it's a boutique um, firm. We have specialist partners in in different disciplines who can help business owners with uh, with their challenges in in particular areas. Um, just before we get onto the specifics, you know, just to uh, as a placeholder for everybody. You know, my background is uh, as a financial expert. I trained with uh, Deloitte mm. uh, many years ago as a as a and trained and qualified as a chartered accountant. So I'm a CPA um, in Canada. Um, and following that, I became a, the CFO of a of a large multinational company, um, Harlequin Books. Um, sells used to sell many, many books, uh, 185 million uh, around the globe. But I got deep operational f- experience with um, um, from, um, from that position. Um, further to that, I became a partner in a leading venture capital firm um, here in Toronto. And subsequent to that, I was a partner in a private equity firm. So I've had, I've had experience both operationally on the side of the table, being the right hand to the CEO, um, but also I've uh, sat around the table as a partner as an investment in an investment firm, putting millions of dollars into investee companies to grow them very rapidly. Mm. So what I what I wanted to do on the on the back of that experience uh, was form Resolve Partners. Um, specifically to help business owners in their growth and their growth challenges. Um, and, and the prime mover th- for that um, w- was uh, um, some of the demographic demographics that we see um, at large today that directly affect business owners. So, so two-thirds of business owners um, in North America, two-thirds of business owners um, are uh, uh, own private companies, um, and uh, uh, th- those many of those business owners are, are, are baby boomers, 
Um, and the average age of a baby boomer today is 65 years old. And so the preparation to transition um, their largest asset, uh, their company, their business, uh, is, uh, is becoming more and more important for the wealth uh, of those businesses, protecting the wealth of those business owners. And so we are, we are um, aligning with that demographic need okay. uh, to help business owners grow value um, and prepare to sell or transition uh, their companies depending on, depending on their plan. Um, one of the sho- shocking statistics, um, which uh, your, your listeners um, should be aware of, and I, I certainly was not aware of, until I did the research, is that um, over over 75 to 80% of companies that are brought to market do not sell, which is a horrible horrible statistic. There's many underlying reasons for that, um, uh, which uh, we can go into later. Um, But one of the prime um, things that business owners can do to address that is to start thinking about um, the planning for that transition a lot earlier than they otherwise would do. There is certainly value attached, um, absolute value attached to uh, planning early. Um, and we can go through uh, uh, some of those things. Um, but, but planning really does uh, drive value. I'll give you a simple example. Um, some of the tax-efficient strategies attached to selling your business um, have uh, time, time bars uh, on them. And if you go to uh, a top-line lawyer, um, they will recommend some strategies, provided you have the time, um, that need at least two years uh, of a gestation period to be in place mm-hmm. in order to be effective. So you can start to see that um, when timeframes like that uh, are on the table, um, you know, being able to plan what you need to do in order to capture uh, some of the um, so some of the value that can be on the table um, needs a, a length of time, at least uh, as long as that, if not slightly longer depending on how much business uh, value building you need to do. Well, you know, what's interesting is that on Amazon, there are tens of thousands of books on how to start a business, but very few on how to exit one. And so having the, the right guidance, the right professionals, but un- recognizing, understanding that it is a, it's a time frame. It requires proper planning. And the earlier that the, uh, the business owner gets going on you know getting the right building blocks in place the better because most often and Stephen I'm sure you would agree when you're connecting with someone it's hey look uh, I've either had some interest expressed in our business and I'm ready to possibly negotiate a deal and this is happening in the next 6 weeks <laughs> And, and, you know, you're thinking, uh, no, it's going to take a little bit longer than that. If you really want to extract uh, the most value out of the deal and, you know, put your business in the best light to that potential buyer and, you know, not leave money on the table unnecessarily. 
So uh, just picking up one of the uh, points that you made, <clears throat> and given both of your background, uh, you'll appreciate this. Um, <clears throat> the sale of it, the, the, the preparation to sell a business is a complex matter. Yep. Um, building value, as every business owner will know, is a complex matter. Um, and therefore, um, it does require uh, professional assistance um, to execute. Um, and there is a team of professionals that needs to be brought together um, to help business owners in various respects. Uh, yeah. we'd, highly, we'd highly recommend financial advisors like yourself to be around the table uh, um, from, 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 a, from many, years, uh, many years prior. Um, and the reason we like to see financial advisors in place is we want, we want the business, we want to see that the business owner understands um, what he needs uh, uh, to achieve from an exit. He needs to understand that very well, um, given that and typically 80% of his wealth is tied up in his business, 80% plus. So it is pretty much the largest asset that a business owner has and needs careful uh, handling. Totally. We, also like, we also like to see um, legal advisors around the table that they should be M&A legal advisors, not a, a general legal uh, counsel. Uh, absolutely can have a general legal counsel around the table, but you need a specialist uh, M&A uh, advisor in place. We also would highly recommend um, that a sales representative for the transaction is in place as well. In my terminology, that's an, invest an investment banker. It's a very specialist role, mm -hmm. bringing uh, prospects to the table and creating a competitive environment. So we would highly recommend an investment banker uh, be around the table as well. Um, and. Uh, obviously an accountant uh, who understands the tax affairs of the company um, and who understands tax from, from an M&A perspective. So the typically business owners have um, advisors around the table. It needs some tweaking towards the back end uh, of, a, of a business owner's life, and it needs specialists to be in place in order to help drive value through the transaction so that we, we get the right result. Hmm. Very good. Rich. Well, I, I think it's interesting the statistics that you're sharing with us, Stephen, because, um, you know, the average age of the baby boomers as they're shifting through time, that, that glut chunk of the population as it's developing through, they're at the stage they've been told and instructed their whole life that it's time to look at shutting down. So we're going to see this massive exodus of people trying to get out or transition businesses either to the next generation or to someone who's able to take that business over. And as you identified, that's you know, 75 to 80% of these businesses that are up for sale in some way, they're, they're just not, there's no buyers either available or they're not able to be sold in some way. And I, I think that's that's really unfortunate. It's almost a crime against uh, these people who spent their lifeblood building this, this structure in this business. And so for those that are unable to sell, they're not able to get the exit that they're looking for. What do you find happens for them? What's the what's the common demise of that business that people are going to experience as they look to exit it in some way? They still need to exit. So how does that happen? Sure. Well, 
The, the first thing that needs to happen is a sensible appraisal as, as to what the options are available to business owners in, in the particular circumstance the, that they find themselves in. Um, some, some businesses are very well developed, um, quite sophisticated, and, and the value drivers have, have been worked on um, for, for many years. And, and many of the things that a third-party acquirer is looking for are in place and and a Bay Street uh, um, uh, firm can absolutely uh, sell those businesses. Mm. However, there are there are uh, there are other uh, there are other routes for business owners that are not necessarily in that place. For example, um, uh, they 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 could sell the the business uh, to other partners uh, in the firm. They could put together uh, an ESOP, an employee share ownership plan, whereby owner uh, employees in the business over time um, buy an interest uh, in the company. They could do a management buyout um, with, uh, with 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 the employees, um, and and so there are there are various strategies that that are certainly available to owners um, that are really speaking to the inside buyer as opposed to the outside third party buyer um, where, where the um, the requirements are, are a little bit more stringent uh, to execute a transaction um, so that so so that's certainly an option and it's very commonly an option um, for business owners um, the worst case scenario is that uh, the business uh, assets need to be liquidated um, and sold in, in the open market, and the owner um, closes the closes the door of the business and walks away with the residual value um, in that company. And that that is most typically seen where the owner is the, a large representation of the assets in the business. Um, it is the owner. Um, the, the, um, that represents the business. And typically there's not um, a lot of value um, in those types of businesses. And, and often that's the end result. And remember that in, certainly in Canada, um, over 90%, I think the, if you look at the statistics, probably 93, 94% of businesses in Canada um, are less than 10 employee uh, businesses. And, Often the owner um, is, um, is the, the business is very dependent uh, on the owner, and, and therefore it's, it's it's very tough to to sell for um, anything other than net, net asset value uh, in the company. And for you know business owners who are tuning into this episode and thinking, "Gosh, I'm curious. I'm a little curious. What is my company worth?" What is that next step that that business owner should take to start going down that path? Well, there's a there's a number of um, ways that um, value can can be assessed. Um, there there are there are certainly some pretty good software packages uh, that can be readily found uh, on on the market today. The by answering um, a number of questions, both quantitative and qualitative, um, an owner can get um, an indication of the value that um, that is that, that his company uh, is is worth. 
Okay. So, so, so that, to me, what that does for owners is it gives a ready benchmark, which yeah. should be used with caution. Um, if, if the owner is, is, uh, is in need, uh, for whatever reason, there's a bunch of reasons why you might need a, a formal valuation. Um, but if he does need a valuation, we, we'd certainly um, recommend that um, if an owner is going to go through a uh, or uh, wants to go through a transaction process, they should get a formal valuation, um, and, uh, and and certainly uh, we we do that at Resolve, but but any any of the large uh, large accounting firms uh, would do that, and there are specialist valuation firms as well. So um, so we'd we'd highly re- recommend that. There, there are a number of ways of valuing um, valuing your company. Um, the most common way of doing that is a, a discounted cash flow approach, um, and certainly a valuator uh, can 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 do that uh, uh, for you. Um, but again, back to time frame. If there if there's more if if really the the owner is intent on selling as soon as possible then evaluation should be attained and a, and a broker should be uh, appointed and the uh, and the broker or the investment banker will will also confirm the range of value um, the, the, that is appropriate and and also give you an indication of likelihood of selling the business which is which is important given the the pro, the the, prob- the probabilities with a longer period of time um, with more planning um, there is a, a much there's a much broader deep dive that can be done on the business um, maturity and on, on on and assessing the value drivers that have been built in the business and that gives a much more operational understanding to the owner of where his business value lies and where his weaknesses are. And obviously we would highly recommend um, for for, uh, a period of time leading up to um, when a business is brought to market, we'd highly recommend that weaknesses are either eliminated or reduced in order that when we when we get to um, the point where uh, competitive bids are entertained or um, uh, offers uh, are, are made for the business, that they fully reflect the value that has been generated rather than focusing on the weaknesses in the business. Yeah, because the business owner, you know, for the most part, um, the ones that... Uh, you know, Rich, uh, you can attest to this that we've interacted with and continue to interact with over the years is that they, they just simply don't know where to begin. You know, how, what professionals need to be advising me in order to really truly understand, have I created maximum value in the business? Are there things that we could be doing that we need to begin implementing to make our business more attractive, whether it's for internal uh, purchase options with uh, team members or key people in the business, partners, et cetera, shareholders, or, you know, have I, have I created a little more value than maybe I was aware of? And I need to, that's something that needs to be leveraged in the business even further to ma- further maximize value. And so there's only a few ways that a business owner is going to exit the business. They're either going to sell or attempt to sell 
they're going to wind up the business. They're, they're going to get sick. They're going to die unexpectedly or, you know, uh, experience a critical illness, whether it's cancer or something that, you know, takes, uh, takes their, their life or in some cases disappear. I mean, we've all heard stories of, Hey, you know, these uh, four hunters went on this trip up in uh, Alaska and they found all their gear, but they haven't found any of the hunters. And then anybody who's left in the business has no access to anything. They can't pay the people. They can't, you know, continue to operate it because there's no catastrophe plan in place. What do we do in the event of all of these, you know, uh, probabilities? And so for business owners who are tuning in, even if you're just getting started, if your business is just getting off the ground, it's really important to be taking into consideration how to maximize value right from the inception of your company. So um, Jason, you raise a good point, um, so we'll just touch uh, touch on on that. I'll give you another statistic, which is equally uh, equally shocking, but but reflects the lack of preparation um, that many business owners uh, have to towards um, getting liquidity on their major asset in their portfolio. So, when you think that seventy five to eighty percent of businesses brought to market do not sell. Another interesting statistic, which is equally shocking, is that 50% of businesses that that do sell uh, are sold under distressed circumstances, which is the point that you raised. So let's just think about distressed circumstances, um, which is very real for um, business owners that are, should we say, more advanced in in age, as we all are. Um, So... Distress circumstances, as you rightly point out, is death in the worst case scenario. Um, it could be disability. Um, it could be duress, for example, marriage failure or um, um, uh, problems with the partners. Yeah, insolvency. Um, and, uh, div- uh, divorce, disagreement, and absolutely uh, insolvency, obviously. Um, but when businesses are hit with those contingent events, the prices that uh, are achieved in the ultimate sale are likely way less than the number that is in their wealth plan. So their wealth is being damaged and and materially hurt. So, but these things happen. Um, And so part of the planning in advance is basically an insurance policy to protect the wealth that you built in order to protect against those unforeseen circumstances that just do come along. And it happens all too often is the, is the point here. And I'm, I'm sure you, you guys as financial advisors would be first to be, uh, you know, uh, continually counseling your business owners that these things happen and that we need to, uh, we need to uh, plan to transition. So that's what we certainly sponsor planning. We think that there's huge value to be had in the three to five years ahead of an exit. Um, let's just think about the exit, though. Um, so, you know, you often hear of these uh, of these business owners that, that, that sell in two to three weeks. And it certainly is possible. It is absolutely possible. But it is the exception rather than the norm. And it is highly likely that, 
if you sell within three weeks, um, there's a, a huge strategic reason for the buyer to buy, or there's a heavy discount price to be paid to mitigate the risk of the very short term uh, transaction timeline. Right. One of the what, what I was involved in a fairly large transaction uh, most most recently. Um, it was millions of dollars. The transaction was executed perfectly from my perspective. Um, and what I would tell you is that in order to execute a transaction perfectly like that, bring an investment banker on, having all the documents prepared, the sales memorandum, put in a data room together, having all the analysis available in, ahead of time, in order that you can answer 90% of the questions from the buyers in due diligence, having prepared the management team for, for management presentations to the buyers when they come to uh, come to visit the factory or the, uh, the offices and so on. In order to do that, the minimum time, in my view, that a transaction can be um, uh, perfectly executed is about six months. Mm. Six to nine months is reasonable because stuff always happens. It just does. So six to nine months is the length of time to execute a transaction pretty well. And then if you bolt on ahead of time, another three months to prepare for a transaction at light speed, you're really talking nine to 12 months is an optimal optimal period of time. And that's fast. It is not. It often takes longer um, and if you're building a planet building in a planning period ahead of that in order to the reason for building in a planning period is to mitigate risks so that you don't get a price cut at the back end of the negotiation right um, or and you and uh, or, 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 or the other major um, thing to for a, a seller a seller to focus on is, if a seller has a selling price in his mind, and if the selling price that he wants is not what the market will offer you, and frankly, um, owners need to be clear that Mr. Market is, is the dominant player in that conversation. Mr. Market is the dominant player, not what the owner wants necessarily. Um, so if Mr. Market says, that uh, the value of your business is not what you want, then what you need is an advisor to help fill the value gap. Mm. An advisor will, at the start of a planning period, tell you what he thinks Mr. Market will offer you. And if there's a difference between what your value is today and what you need to get through the transaction, you need to close that gap. And that's what we call value building ahead of time closing the gap to a zero price uh, a zero price difference the other big thing that i just want to mention to business owners um, when they think about price is uh, is a couple of things firstly we think about price versus what what goes into your the assumption that goes into your wealth plan price need the uh, uh, the the check that you get at the end of a transaction process is needs to be thought of in terms of the check number less tax 
Right. Because it's the net receipt after tax that goes into your bank account. So you need to think about the after tax number, not the price that you're being quote, uh, offered in the transaction because there's tax on that. Right. Um, and uh, so, 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 you know, that's a big deal. The other thing that business owners need to understand and the investment banker will absolutely coach uh, um, business owners on this is there's a difference between price and terms in the transaction. So you can be offered a price, but when the deal gets papered by the lawyers, the terms can materially affect the value of the deal. So let me give you an example. Um, let's say your business uh, is valued at $10 million. And let's say you get an offer in the transaction pro process of $10 million. Um, the $10 million is the sticker number. Great. But what happens is that the buyer will say, well, I'll give you 50% down and we need an earn out for over the next three years. Um, and we will pay you on a deferred basis, contingent on you making the profit numbers that you said were in your plan. So number one, that increases risk into the transaction for the seller, because if you don't achieve those profit numbers, there's a consequence to that and the price right. gets cut. So there's price you're offered and then there's terms. Terms can be very, very material to the outcome, to the transaction. And so when you plan, um, when you plan to build value, um, you need to talk with your advisor about what the likely outcome of a deal negotiation is and what the likely terms are that will be agreed under the transaction because it makes a very material difference to your net take. Hence, again, why it's so important to be working with the right group of professionals. And it's, uh, it's great that we're talking to you, Stephen Cummings, and we appreciate you being with us. And uh, again, for those who are tuning in, we are going to include in the show notes um, access to some very valuable resources, uh, the website, all of these uh, great things that you should go and, uh, and investigate and uh, connect, you know, with Stephen and his organization, Rich. Well, I appreciate uh, this is a ton of amazing information that incredible um, that our business owners need to hear, and and anyone watching this later on, or maybe they're not at the stage where they're thinking that through now, but we've piqued the interest in them in getting that preparation together so that they can be more mindful of it now as they think about what their future holds. And just some of these, again, shocking statistics that you've, you've given us today, Stephen, are tremendously helpful because we're, we all live in the same country and there's, you know, people are experiencing this every day. There's businesses trying to sell, there's baby boomers retiring, there's, there's staff, there's management teams, there's, there's customers that are going to be impacted by these transactions. And then on top of that, you throw a global pandemic in the mix. I'm sure that's had some impact on a few valuations along the last uh, last 12 months of this. And I'm sure there's some stories that if we had more time, you could probably uh, tell us a few horror stories there. But you know, we, we have a market. Mr. Market is uh, going to be involved in dictation of your price. But there are things, the takeaway I'm getting is there are things you can do proactively as the business owner 
with your team to be able to augment or at least be able to uh, have some control over maybe not Mr. Market, but at least what the end result is by, by putting the effort in up front. The key is it takes a little bit of effort and you need to have a good team of people around you. Yeah, absolutely. Let, let, let me, um, let me just um, uh, float some other ideas as well. Um, so I, I did an analysis of uh, some of the largest companies uh, on in the world today uh, and took a look at the asset base of uh, uh, the reported asset base of those companies versus the market value uh, on the stock market, the likes of Google and GE and and uh, and, and people like that. Um, what you will find if you do that analysis. The different the the the, the market value, um, the open market value that the, the the stock market quotes versus the book value per the financial financial statements, physical assets, and uh, uh, and so on. What you will find is there's a difference between mark, the on market value and the uh, and the financial statement, and it, it you know the. The bankers and the accountants uh, uh, who who are in your network will tell you that that difference is called goodwill. Um, so, goodwill is is you know a little little understood term, but let, let let's try and put some color um, around that. Um, so there are four four classifications of intangible assets that typically. Uh, known as the four C's. So, human capital um, is 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 part of uh, goodwill. So, having uh, a great talent base to execute, um, you know, the business engine. There's then a then a component of intangible assets called structural capital, and that's embodied in the processes and the technology that you use within the business in order to execute. Um, the business uh, that you do. So it's it's processes and uh, and and so on. Then the social capital, which is the culture um, of the business that you built, um, and that you know some businesses are purchased purely for social capital. They want to take on the culture that has been built and build it and learn learn those successful. Um, things that the business owners have uh, been able to generate. And then there's customer capital as well. And, and, and that's an obvious one for, for many, many business owners. Um, so recognize that 90% of your value is embodied in those things, the systems, the processes, the people, the ideas, the product development, the culture, the customer base that you have is it diversified and 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 so on it is really what drives much of the value in your business and therefore um it another way of putting it is what people will pay for is the economic engine that you have built Right behind your business, the, the, the and and it's comprised of all of those four types of capital, and to the extent to which that economic engine continues to function and purr along post um, transfer of the business to a new owner, it's valuable in their hands. 
to the extent to which it seizes up and dies when the owner is pulled out of the mechanism, or if key talent walks out of the door because they don't want to work for the for the new business. Um, to the extent that economic engine doesn't pair along, um, the value is is crimped and um, and depleted. Um, so what business owners need to do is to make sure that the cogs in the wheel of that engine are perfectly aligned, they're integrated, and they work very well together, um, such that if the the driver of the engine puts his foot on the uh, the accelerator and the wheels need to turn faster, the business can um, scale and pump out more production or higher levels of sales. And so that's very valuable, um, very, very valuable to a, um, to a purchaser. And therefore, a lot of the, um, the value building initiatives are making sure that the purchaser can see the internal workings of the engine in detail and can assess how well that engine is put together and will operate in their hands further down the road. Helping make sure uh, that the things that are often less visible or invisible become visible prior to the the exit of the business. Very definitely. Absolutely. But they, awesome. they, will, they will absolutely have visibility through that. And, and unless a business owner is in the very fortunate circumstance where he can conclude a deal in three weeks and get a check for 100% of the value, which is highly unusual. Um, actually, interesting point, getting cash on closing of a business, 100% cash um, for, for, for the, the deal that's being consummated is very unusual. Right. There is normally, there is normally um, a holdback um, very, very, very often it's 10%. Typically, there would be a holdback just, if nothing else, just to be an insurance policy against any of the conditions in the uh, reps and warranties in the pur- purchase and sale agreement, um, just as an insurance policy that um, that, that money can be uh, clawed, clawed back. So there's typically a clawback mechanism, and that money would typically go into what's called escrow, which is essentially a bank account held by a lawyer until the conditions are met. So it's very, very unusual for 100% uh, cash to be paid on closing. And business owners obviously need to understand that. It's, it's more common to see deferred consideration as a component of, um, of the deal, which typically it can be um, 10 to 30 to 50% of the transaction price, depending on how risk averse the, the purchaser is. Wow. Such valuable information. Stephen, thank you. Thank you so much again for being with us. And our, our Wealth Without Bay Street listeners are undoubtedly um, <laughs> their pens are on fire. They're capturing so many notes and uh, we, we do sincerely appreciate you joining us. And uh, Rich, um, any closing remarks that you'd like to share? Uh, no, I just really appreciated this because it's a, uh, it's a clinic. We just kind of went through a, a clinic yeah. here with Stephen and um, really valuable information for, for so many. And the fact that we've got it captured for people to revisit, uh, you know, go back and rewind, uh, turn the speed down a little bit lower so they can really capture some of those components. Uh, perhaps it's going to be really, really helpful. Uh, thank you. 
Uh, thankfully, uh, rewind is pretty easy on YouTube, so that's good help. <laughs> and yeah. you no, know, I think it, one of the things we'd like to do in our show, what we always want to do, Stephen, we really recognize, uh, first of all, the importance of someone's time, spending time with us, sharing what they've spent a lifetime building in their own knowledge and value with others. And so, you know, for us, we recognize that not all heroes wear capes. And you might not think of yourself as a hero, but when you you take all this life spent of information and your your knowledge, your education, you relate that to business owners who are in need or in crisis and and have an ability between adding another zero potentially on their exit strategy that really could be life-changing, a life-changing event for them. When you think about bringing that value to others, you know, we would just be curious to wonder what, when you think about that, who would you like to be a hero to? Um, so let me just start by saying I'm a, I'm a very fortunate guy. I'm married to a beautiful lady who um, we've been married for over 35 years. I'm blessed to have two kids, one of, one of each. I've just got my first grandchild, so I consider myself very, uh, very, very fortunate right, right there off the bat. You know, my, um, one of my goals um, it, with, with my business right now is to pass on that wisdom to business owners in order to help them navigate um, the choppy waters that many of them uh, face for, for different reasons. But certainly if they're going to into a transaction environment that many of them have never negotiated before. So we're looking, we're absolutely looking uh, to help people if, uh, if, they, if they need our, uh, our help. But we're certainly doing education with business owners um, in, in many different ways. And much of that is uh, free. I was with a women's group uh, two nights ago and um, answering the question, actually, it was a really interesting discussion about so the, uh, eight or nine uh, women uh, CEOs, and they were really debating what the job of a CEO was, which when you think about it, is quite a complex question, really, and it was very interesting to to hear the answers. But you know, we're absolutely, I am, we are absolutely happy to um, uh, contribute to the community and uh, lead with the education in whatever way uh, we we can do. And if people need specific help, uh, we we're absolutely uh, looking forward to uh, doing that with them. Excellent. Stephen, thank you. Thank you for being generous with your time and sharing your knowledge and, and your wisdom in this space. And our listeners will undoubtedly thoroughly enjoy this episode as well. And so for everyone who's uh, tuned in on the YouTubes, if you just look over here, you're going to see a recommended playlist of additional content that would be valuable and supportive uh, to you. So we thank you sincerely for tuning in to this episode of Wealth Without Bay Street. And uh, we look forward to, um, to seeing you again. And if you have any thoughts, any lingering thoughts, questions, uh, comments, please go ahead and comment on the episode and uh, be sure to check out all of the valuable resources that we've included in the show notes. And we want to wish you and yours a terrific rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Without Bay Street podcast, where your wealth matters. Be sure to check out our social media channels for more great content. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player and be sure to rate the show. We definitely appreciate it. And don't forget to share this episode with someone you care about. 
Join us on the next episode where we continue to uncover the financial tools, strategies, and the mindsets that maximize your wealth.